Eric doesn't listen to podcasts. But anyways, that's enough from you, Eric. Uh, welcome to Beer Life. My name is Jordan Foss, and on the program today is Tessa Gabinowitz, and I did pronounce that right. Absolutely. I've been well practicing. Yeah. I spelled it out phonetically, so that's uh, that's good. No, I appreciate that. Normally, you know, when I'd get called down to the office, it would be Tessa G. Well, I noticed that up. when I when I Google you to try and do research. Oh, yeah. Um, Googleable? You are. So did oh. you know that when you first moved to Comox that you were going to be a house sitter, or you applied, or you had a page oh to, to house sit? I did. That's still up there? Two cats, one dog, oh and you were and you were willing to yeah. So when you do research, you, you really feel like a, uh, you feel like a creep, right? Uh-huh. I'm just yeah. down there in my basement with the kids, and um, so funny. and then they're like, "What are you doing, Dad?" And then um, one falls and cries, and then my wife Alyssa comes down, oh, no. and I just have four tabs of your face up, and she's like, "What's <laughs> happening right now?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's don't worry, it's a it's a guest for my podcast today." <laughs> And um, oh, that's hilarious! Yeah. and also kind of creepy. I have to go. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but you took the ferry here, so yeah, it true. would be too I'm much stuck. of a pain in the ass. Yeah, true. Um, so let's start from the very beginning. Okay. Uh, where are you from? How did you get into beer? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm from Ontario originally. Uh, I moved to Nelson. British Columbia in 2009 when I finished when I finished school f- um, for robotics and automation. What? Um, yeah, it's a mechanical engineering like technologist program that I went to college for. Wow. So what would you like? What would ro- I mean? It sounds very smart. Uh, what would you apply that to? You so you yeah. just make what would you make? What? So in Ontario, the automotive industry was huge. Yeah. So that was kind of where I thought I was going to go with that, yeah. maybe, realistically. Also, you might remember the Blackberry. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. I owned one. You did? Yeah. You don't still, though, right? No, but I have them at home still. Do um, I don't know why, because it's, it's hard to recycle a cell phone. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so my kids use them as burners. So they're that's four fun. and one, so they don't understand <laughs> what a so burner cute. is, but that's what we call it. Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. So, yeah, so Rim uh, Park is in Waterloo, and that's kind of where I grew up yeah. um, and where I went to college. So, I, you know, I thought I would kind of get into that industry or automotive. Um, at one time in my life, I thought I was going to join the Royal Military College and become a fighter pilot and an engineer and then maybe, you know, go to, like, space one day. Oh, wow. So it's kind of a kind of a thing. I was an air cadet for a really long time. So ambitious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I got into the beer world. <laughs> well, you were in Ontario. No, actually. So what happened is um, I, I was in school for four years. And when I finished, uh, I had some friends living in Nelson. And I was a snowboard instructor while I was in college and in uh, high school. And I thought I would go what take some. What kind of snowboard did you have? Oh, do you remember Millennium 3? No. Really old. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. had a Capita. I had a Burton. I know Capita. I had you? a Burton. Yeah. yeah, Burton Canyon. Yeah. And But back then, uh, I had a longer board. It was like a 162. Nice. And I remember you could float. It was wide, the canyon. And so you could yeah. float in powder really well, yeah. but you couldn't turn where shit. Oh, so, yeah. like, my friends would want to go to the park and do stuff. And yeah. then I'd just be the guy that would just snowboard by the jumps because it was too bloody too big to do yeah. anything totally and so now i have a gnu um oh, nice. it's 157 yeah but now i have two kids so i haven't used it in like three years so and you know snowboarding here versus ontario is obviously a lot different we don't have mountains there like the hill i grew up on was an old landfill that they actually put like a ridiculous amount of chairlifts on i'm gonna say like four to six which is that ridiculous seemed, yeah as a mechanical engineer like that doesn't make sense no, it's just gonna start to people man they were making money people were just yeah. coming through crazy okay so, so you're snowboard st- snowboard instructor in nelson yep so i moved there thinking that's what i would do uh but i paid for my own education so i had to get a real job and i was right. like you know i went to school for something uh kind of expensive and i'm and kind of a big deal, so maybe I can get a job doing that. But in, in Nelson, there wasn't really a lot to offer. So I thought I'll apply to the Nelson Brewing Company yeah. and basically scrub walls for free beer while I figure it out. Oh, cool. Little okay. did I know yeah. that uh, my mechanical aptitude would kind of allow me to uh, pick up a lot of things quite easily yeah. in the brewery. So, What year was that? 2009. Okay. Yeah, so 11, 11, wow, yeah, 11 years. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And um, how many people were working at Nelson Brewing at the time? Um, so Mike Kelly was the brewer at the time there, and he 
had been brewing for, I'd say, over 20 years at that time. Yeah. Mark James Group um, used to work at, at Whistler with David Varga, who I right. later worked with at, at 33. 33. Yeah, so kind of cool connection there. Uh, but yeah, so it was it was just him, and like I said, I thought I would scrub walls and and kind of learn that way, uh, do whatever was needed. Um, but I I fell in love with it, and I just I started not just the scrubbing walls part, but um, I started filtering beer and transferring and carbonating, and I never got into the packaging um, side of things. But Mike saw that I was I had a willingness to learn and yeah he just kind of grandfathered me in and taught me from the ground up there cool. and so how long were you at Nelson Spring for uh almost five years what's it like living in Nelson it's it's awesome yeah yeah it's a beautiful it's a special little town yeah. it's uh on Kootenai Lake um you know really really good people there's it's a ski town it's kind of transient that way mm-hmm. but I was like 23 so you know so it was that was perfect it was perfect for me yeah right does it what yeah. do you, what happens in the summer there um I, i'd say it's a little bit touristy but yeah. there's mountain biking and you know it's on a lake so yeah just like stuff really it's pretty chill did you find that like so did nelson brewery have a like a tasting room or anything like that before it didn't no, no it was mostly packaging so the brew house i want to say was about 20 hex yeah and when i started there were seven or eight open top fermenters oh cool um open top with you know stainless steel lids that i had to get in there and like clean with the toothbrush yeah it was outrageous but um yeah they since have sold the brewery the the person who had owned and started the brewery has uh, retired and moved on and mike's now has his own brewery and they have new owners and have a tasting room yet i haven't seen it yet yeah, so uh, I, I've met the new owners a couple oh. times, and now I can't, it's going to bug me that I can't. He was a hockey player. Right. What is yeah. his name? I can't remember. Yeah. And I, I meet her more than him, mm. but they have a, they have a daughter mm-hmm. whose name is Lennox. Oh. And my son is named Lennox. Yeah. Or I'm going to fuck this up, and their daughter's named Jude, and my son's name's Jude. But it's okay. one of those. We yeah. have, our kids are named the same. And uh, so we always connect when I when I uh, I see her at the I, last time I saw her was at the BC um, BC mm. Craft Brewers Conference. Oh yeah, in the fall there. Yeah, that's when I met them too. Okay. Yeah, they're uh, really it's nice. It's gonna people. bug me now that I. Anyways, I know, me it'll too. come to me. Um, I can Google it. I'm on a computer. You can Google. Um, and so and where did Mike go? So he went to Backroads. Backroads. Yeah. Okay. So that's right on Baker Street in Nelson, and so. Oh, so in the same town, he yeah, just just right. wanted to start his own gig. Oh, that's okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, and just rightfully so, right? Like, yeah, no kidding. Um, and that beer, or excuse me, that brewery, Nelson Brewery, has expanded, and I know that they have packaged product on the island, and I think in Alberta, and they have such a great team. And actually, um, Simon, their head brewer, I had taught before I had left, so yeah. it's kind of cool to, it's kind of, I, I haven't been in the industry that long, but long enough that I could have seen that happen already. Yeah. Well, so. you've been in, I mean, that is long. I think in our industry, that's still long. It's I not like Gary yeah. Lowen long, but like it's yeah, still yeah. like, I mean, that's still a decent amount of time for, I got True. called a veteran uh, by some other, it was on, I was a guest on the BCA Trails Hoppy Hour. This was oh, a few yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Not when I hosted, but Mike Ainsley, who's the beer raider hosted it. Okay. And then he signed off and he's like, oh yeah, it's great to have a veteran. I'm like, and I almost swore at him because I was like, what the <laughs> hell, man? It's only been six years. Yeah, and so, yeah, know. so you're a veteran. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Kate and Kate, yeah, of it's course. Kate and Matt Walker and Matt yeah yeah sorry yeah. Kate and yeah. Matt if you guys are listening oh, they're awesome um, and beautiful they, yes right yeah you okay. know what we were talking about this last week uh, North Point mm-hmm. I don't know any of those people mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna actually go out there next week though nice. um, but just the best looking team yeah in beer and yeah. I was just like they're pretty good looking yeah and I yeah. I don't know uh, I mean I don't know if that's in, it's not in the New West water I'll tell you that. No offense, other New West people. That's just uh, also the Whistle Boys. Yeah, their whole team. Yeah, they're handsome individuals. Yeah, and yeah. their girlfriends. Like they're and yeah. they're wonderful people. Yeah, no, so cool. Yeah, which is infuriating, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> um, <a> little bit. <laughs> and so okay, so you're at, you're uh, in Nelson, yeah. and then what happened next? So I I took a couple uh, courses. I I did some work with uh, the online um, World Academy of Brew- Brewing. That's with Siebel Institute. Yep. And then the general certificate program with through the IBD. Um, and, yeah, just kind of 
you know, as soon as Mike had extra hands, he was able to do more lab work and kind of, you know, re relax a little bit and, and kind of amp up production. And then I just went in full force, like, uh, in warp production within like the first month or two of working there and carried that forward. And then we hired more people as we grew. And then from there, I uh, followed my heart and moved up north to Terrace, which is about 18 hours northwest of... Now, Nelson. are you saying you followed your heart sarcastically or on... You actually followed no, no, your heart? No, no, My partner at the time okay. um, was a heli pilot and he got a job in Terrace, so... That sounds like a cool guy. Yeah, he was, he was pretty cool. He was all yeah. right. But yeah, so we, we moved up to Terrace and while he was... Um, you know, flying and doing his thing. And I was kind of picking my nose, like wondering yeah. what I'm going to do. So I started fermenting like everything, everything yeah. from my, my garden that I planted to like fir pine cones, like trying to like harvest the yeast. And I, I went to school for mechenge, like not yeah. microbiology. So yeah. I was, was trying to like bridge that gap yeah. and I lived in a cabin. So I wasn't able to really control my temperatures very well. So long story shorter, um, I ended up having to get a real job yeah. <laughs> and um, I started land surveying for a company called McElhaney and did that for a little bit and got a really good like North Coast experience where I was out in the bush, um, you know, with grizzly bears and black bears and like on glaciers and yeah. fishing the Skeena River and yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Um, and then I ended up meeting... Um, these people who were opening a brewery in Terrace, which was amazing for me. Um, the brewery's called Sherwood Mountain yep. Brew House. You, you've heard of it? I have. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I they hired me as a consultant brewer. Okay. And I was able to help him kind of network from everything to like where to buy his tanks, what to buy, you know, mm -hmm. like, do you want steam? Do you want electric? Do you want direct fire? What, whatever, all the way to like chemicals and hops and, and, yeah. and anything. Um, and then as it happens, I worked myself out of a job because he was an owner and a brewer. Yeah. Um, so after that, I ended up going further north to a little village called Deese Lake, which is about yeah. eight hours north of that. You yeah. know Deese Lake? I know Deese Lake. Uh, so... I know all these random, and That's I might so have mentioned random. this on a, another podcast before, but I know small towns well throughout Canada. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I know them is because in my old job, we used to do radio and advertising and on hold messaging, actually, which sounds crazy. Oh. But uh, our biggest clients were um, were pharmacy chains. So oh, yeah. okay. Pharmasave, Rexall, yeah. um, Pharma Choice, yeah. um, Shoppers Drug Mart. So if there is a pharmacy in a town, mm -hmm. and I used to be the producer, so what I would do is produce every single of those, every single pharmacy in Canada, mm -hmm. uh, at least of those brands, I would know where it was. And, and I used to be able to recite, but my wife hated it. I used to be able to, like, when you're a big chain, you all have store mm -hmm. numbers, right? Like, it's Pharmasave 187, yeah, yeah. Pharmasave. Sure. And I used to be able like, that's 187, that's 296. Yeah. That's, she'd be like, no one cares. I'm like, I care. Yeah. And um, care. so, yeah, so I know Dee's mm -hmm. Lake because they have, mm -hmm. I don't, it's been a while now. I don't know if it's a Pharmasave, but they have a pharmacy there. And they, their pharmacy is in their gas station, which is also their grocery store and their post office and their liquor store. Cool. It's a village of 290 people people wow and it's why would they have an on hold message i wonder i don't think they'd need one it was they, part of the program they even had a post office i think because they're like the last stop before the yukon border yeah they're the last gas station um like literally phone service is four hours north or four hours south wow like it's yeah out there so so was d's like uh same you were following the same the same love yeah and yeah. so his job just took him there and then you went and that's right so they, they actually asked me to go as well um yeah. so he was the pilot but then they wanted me to run the base so i would oh, fuel wow. the aircraft and you know make the coffee as well but also flight follow the pilots and stuff yeah um so yeah we lived there for he was there longer than i was um but i was there for at least eight months a year and as the base kind of slowed down um i ended up getting a job as a this is what happens when you live in the north um as a teacher at the local public school oh, wild <laughs> which i am yeah not trained for yeah. and i have so much respect for teachers like that yeah kids are mean like i was crying on my third day really oh yeah 
I'm so much happier as a brewer. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> now as many people want to talk to you. Yeah. 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 That's wild. Yeah. So that was a really awesome experience. You must have been though. the only teacher in Dee's Lake. No, no. Um, the the school is a public school, which I found was interesting. Okay. So the reserve was actually just um, southeast of town. I want right. to say. Yeah. Um, but kids would come in from Iskut and uh, Jade City. I think there was a show about Jade City. You could Google that. I don't but, know. I'll have to. Um, so they would fly in and out from there. But cool. A- anyways, it was a kindergarten to grade 12 school, and there was 100 kids. So there was, okay. I think, 12 or 15 teachers. Okay. I started off just as a volunteer position, like helping the secretary go on leave and take some vacation. Yeah. Jade Fever, by the way. Oh, Jade Fever. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, I yeah. had never seen it, but we we would fly them. 7.1 on IMDb. I think that's pretty good. I think it's worth a watch. It's worth watching, yeah. yes. It's a really cool part of the world. Like, yeah. It's it's amazing, um, the mountains there, and there's the Stikeen River yep. is up there, and there's the Stikeen River Canyon, which is like the mini Grand Canyon of oh cool like British Columbia, I want to say yeah. So really really interesting up there. That's wild. Every like every once in a while mm-hmm. when I'm or, or I'm just showing my son a map right yeah. on on and I'll be like, well let's follow this road right and and you always kind of forget when you live in this little bubble of how how vast yeah right yeah you know the province and it's the country is wild. right and yeah. and when you start going further up north you like you go down this rabbit hole yeah. of these small communities yeah. that exist but yeah. you know you're 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 wondering how right we're, and we're so lucky yeah so what what do you th- what was like the the like what do you think what was the craziest shit about living in Dee's Lake um honestly I know this is going to sound cliche because it comes up a lot especially in our industry but the community it was just okay so this <laughs> this one time i'm at the base um and what happened was it was a it was kind of a snowstorm the day before the roads are really icy it gets to like minus 35 and in the winter time we don't really get there's no restaurant it had shut down there's no food truck or anything like that like yeah. it's we only have limited supplies that come in and out and they come in on a truck right uh, well the truck had uh, hit an icy patch on the road and it was like a, a semi and it had f- fallen over and not not a semi what's the half one you're asking the wrong okay, yeah, person whatever. Anyway, you yeah. know what i mean though yeah. right i know what you mean and so anyways the doors had flung open there was produce everywhere yeah. and i'm not talking like good produce like a half ton a half ton makes sense but yeah someone will call uh, me up okay I know. so yeah. <laughs> um but there was tomatoes potatoes like bananas and lettuce and like garlic and shit all over the snow, all over the road. Yeah. Okay. But I, I didn't know this. All I knew was that I was getting a phone call at the desk that said, Hey, Tessa, jump in the truck, grab as many milk crates as you can and boxes and whatever, and meet us like 40 clicks south of Jade City. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, sounds good. So hop in the truck, go up there. There's all these snowmobiles. There's like bonfires happening. And there's the semi on the side of the road. And, and I'm new to this community. And I'm like, hell's going on right yeah. like what's happening well everyone's loading up all the produce out of the truck and filling up their crates and boxes and having beers and having yeah. a party and like just having a time about it and then the next day the school I was working at the school and the school shut basically shut down and opened its doors to the community to use their amazing um, kitchen space they had yeah. like a really cool home ec area and we all made um, canned tomatoes and salsa and then had um, bannock and, and tacos. So like, you know, but yeah, yeah, it was it was just it was amazing. Stuff like that would happen. Like they took something tragic and you know could have been tragic, whatever, yeah. you know, and and turned it into something. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good experience, right? Yeah. So then from Dee's Lake. Yeah. Where yeah. do you go next? So from Dee's Lake, um, we moved uh, to Union Bay. So that's in the that's in the Comox Valley. Okay. And so from there, I ended up um, meeting the guys from Cumberland and Gladstone and just seeing how awesome of a beer community they had there, making friends. And uh, yeah, I think it was through Cumberland, I want to say, that I had the um, opportunity to meet the people from Beachfire Brewing. Okay. So Darren and Laura and Matt at the time. And yeah, so they they were starting 
um, a brewery. They were opening up. Darren is a really great home brewer, had a lot of knowledge, had researched everything he could and was really set up, but they wanted to hire a consultant to help them with the big purchases and to kind of show them how to use the equipment and all of the same things. So again, I was hired as a consultant brewer, (laughs) which was pretty, pretty awesome. So I helped them set up and um, again, work myself out of a job as yeah. it happens when you were going through you're like Fuck, i gotta stop doing this i know right or yeah. gotta charge more I'm well doing I, it wrong. Yeah, you gotta charge exactly Char- charge more because i didn't I, know I well i don't know what it's like i don't know what it's like now obviously oh. but like and obviously there's a lot more people in the industry that it can help but right. i know even in 2013 when we were trying to get mm-hmm. even just a business plan down there was really no one to talk to isn't that funny yeah, yeah like and because I, I was in d slake right <laughs> i know right and um but like i think I can't remember who was consulting at the time. It wasn't Sean Hoyne. It was Sean's brother. Okay. Paul. And um, not that we connected with him, but we connected with this guy in the Lower Mainland, and I won't say his name because yes. it ended up not working very well at all. And okay. we were fortunate enough to find our, our original brewer, Pete, at that time, who did know what the fuck he was doing, not like us two idiots. Apparently so. Yeah. And, um, and so, um, so, yeah, there's definitely... I mean, I know there's a market for it based on how many phone calls I get on. uh, So, yeah, you got to charge a lot because, yeah, the work will dry up. It's wild. Um, I know Mike Timchuk from Cumberland Brewing has opened like over 25 breweries. Like, okay, so it's funny you bring up Mike because there's an uh, this is he's going to kill me because I don't have it in front of me. But whoever Mike's working with right now, where's Mike at right now? Cumberland. He's at Cumberland Brewing. So I think it's the guy that owns Cumberland Brewing. Darren Adam. Darren. That's my friend. That's okay. So yeah. Darren's been emailing me oh. about having um, having him on the show because oh, no he's way. had such a storied past. Oh. And um, but it's wild how um, and I have this on my questions for later, but I'll get into it now. It's mm. wild. Like there's there is a separation between all the breweries and brewers on the mainland mm-hmm. and everybody on the island. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. it's like it's really hard actually to yeah. connect and even understand what's going on. Yeah, right? that's right. And, and it's a different world. I, I will tell you from drinking and brewing beer all over this province, like, and I've had quite the, you know, yeah. distance I've traveled. Um, it, it is, it's, it's, I think it, it, it was rooted in the old days of Victoria where all those breweries started and they were so close to each other yeah. and they just kind of had to, be a little more standoffish from yeah. each other like they would sure I think they would share a pitch of yeast here and there from what I understood but it, it wasn't but as maybe collaborative. they'd spit in it yeah I don't know maybe. <laughs> you but you're right it's it. not as collaborative well no. and, and I get it because they were grinding it out That's for right. for a few taps mm-hmm. you know and uh and so I understand that but isn't for sure. it funny that like we keep talking about you know, over the past 10 years I've been in the industry, it's the market's oversaturated, oversaturated, but we keep growing and we keep getting more collaborative. And yet yep. there's no space left for cans on the shelves. Like arguably, arguably. Yeah. Arguably. No, I, and I think it's because, well, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I think when you get into this, when you get into the beer industry, you're generally coming from a different industry that you wanted right. to get out of. Yeah. Right. That's and right. one of the reasons why you like the beer industry or why you want to get into it, because you've heard that it's collaborative and it's kind of a unique industry to be in. Yeah. And so I just don't think that people that get into the, the beer industry, I just don't think it's in their nature yeah. to be cutthroat. That's right. I just don't think it's in their nature to be good business people. <laughs> right. And, and I'm looking, basically looking at myself in a mirror, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I, it's a it's a yeah. it's a it's a business that feels and mm-hmm. which is its charm mm-hmm. and which is why it's probably successful but mm-hmm. it's yeah i just don't think it yeah that's that's you a know, good point jordan it is yeah. i have a, a slack group um from a bunch of us that kind of open up around the time same time and we've got mm-hmm. a covid slack channel about like we're talking about reopening right now mm-hmm. and some breweries are opening today that's right. and others are not mm-hmm. um like us um but even on that channel, they're like, hey, guys, just want to let you know that we're opening today. It's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Here's what yeah. we ran into. Like, it's so helpful. Yeah. And but in other industries, that would never, ever, ever right? happen. Or even when you're opening a brewery, like yeah. let alone COVID times. But, you know, how many people, you know, have you did you go and talk to beforehand? Yeah. Like, that's that's just what you do. Yeah. Right. It's it's I would never think twice about if somebody came to me and they had a business plan and they wanted yeah. you know, to actually sit down. Like if I have the time, like I, 100%, I will yeah. tell you everything I know. Yeah. Right. 
So, so you're at, um, so you're in the Comox Valley. You've worked yourself out of a job. Yep. And then what? Beach fire. So from there, I was like, okay, I, I was doing some uh, land surveying again for McElhaney, but it was all like stratas and, uh, you know, up north it was in the bush and that was really fun. I really liked that. But, you know, on the island, it, it wasn't the same. It was not as fun for me so I thought well you know I really would like to get back into brewing and and make it um sustainable for me it's what I love and you know I I want to just continue doing that so I started looking around for jobs and uh next thing I know I see something to work with David Varga and I thought hell yeah another legend in the industry I would love to learn from that guy and work with him so um I moved to Vancouver and I worked with him for a year sweet yeah. at 33 yeah at 33 and what was your forget the experience learning under Varga because I'm sure that was I'm yeah. sure you learned a lot and it, what was the experience from moving from you know generally small towns yeah. to now moving to Vancouver um, do you find it culture shock did you hate it did you oh, love it or it was culture shock anything after Dees Lake is culture shock, shock. <laughs> which is you know and I grew up in Ontario which is yeah. outrageous for me to say but it just goes to show how like adaptable we are as humans right for sure um yeah man I moved to Union Bay and I used to say oh I moved to the city it's so busy here yeah it's like no 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 <laughs> it's not at all but um yeah I I worked the uh I was the brewer on the the night shift there at 33 for the the year that I worked there so I didn't really my my I really wanted to just put my head down and work like that yeah. was my goal. And that's, that's what I did. Um, so I had a really positive experience working yeah. there and working with them. I was able to really kind of do my own thing and just get the job done. Yeah. And, um, funny that we brought up Darren Adam earlier because he called me up and said, Hey, I have a, I have a couple, a man and a wife who want to open up a brewery in Comox. Like, would you ever want to move back here? Like, is that something that you'd want to do? And at, uh, my boyfriend at the time and I had split up when I moved to Vancouver. So I, but I, I loved the Comox yeah. Valley. So I was like, yeah, totally. Yes. Let me know if that's a, a serious thing. I said, you know, o- over the time of me being a brewer in this industry, people have said to me, when are you going to open your own brewery? You know, was that something you want to do? And yeah. I always said, no, my dream is when somebody else has the money and they say, hey, Tessa, I want you to be the head brewer. Yeah. Right. Because uh, I, I love what I do and I want to continue to love it. Yeah. I don't have business sense and I don't. Well, I, yeah. I, so. neither do I. And then <laughs> and we've managed to keep this place afloat for a little bit. Well, so you're good at it. no, it, but it's you know, there's something like liberating about being able to just create yeah. and then not have to worry about the rest of the bullshit. That's right? right. Because as soon as you. Like it, it, everything else that goes along with it inhibits what you actually, the time that it, that you get to spend on what you actually enjoy doing. Right. right? Yeah. 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 And I was worried about that. So I, uh, I was fortunate enough that, uh, Darren got me in touch with, uh, Jason and then Jason flew me out for an interview and offered me a position. And, you know, at the time 33B was opening up and so there was the opportunity maybe for growth there. Yeah. Um, but you know, I got to move back to somewhere that I felt more comfortable. Like uh, the city just wasn't really for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a dirt bike and a boat and I fish and I have some rifles and like, that's just, you can't do that in Vancouver. That's not main street. That's for sure. Not, (laughs) not, not main street in Vancouver. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. So you move back (laughs) and you start it from the ground up. That's right. And so did they kind of give you free reign with how to kind of get it going on or do they put limit, you know, not to get you in trouble with anybody, but uh, no, I I'm, I'm laughing a little to myself because uh, I'm sure my boss, Jason is going to listen to this and he wasn't exactly a beer person. He, he was a community person and he loved beer and wanted to get into that. Right. Not in a delusional sense, but in a sense that like he really saw that, how it brought the community together and it was something that Comox was missing um so anyways he said Tessa whatever you want to brew he's like as long as it's four different colors oh that's amazing <laughs> I was like you know what though he's I, right I can do that yeah he's right 
yeah, yeah. you know and, and uh that's yeah. amazing i know so as a brewer i'm like okay so what do i want to do yeah right so i started you know i went to cascadia uh liquor store and just started grabbing everything off the shelf like yeah. and just making him taste anything and everything because i it was important to me that he liked yeah they bought into what you're yeah totally, for sure right? And also he knew the community a little bit more than I did. So I wanted to make sure that it, it aligned with what he wanted the space to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, speaking of the space, cause so I heard a land is land and sea because mm-hmm. of, uh, I saw them on Instagram. Oh, really? And I was like, wow, that's a really beautiful looking space. Yeah. Right. Land and sea and folding mountain, which is in Alberta. Oh. Um, both caught me because of Instagram. Really? Yeah, it's Isn't beautiful that too. interesting? And, uh, and then, and then somebody, this is, and I should have done more, well, I actually did a lot of research, but somebody reached out to me from Land and Sea a while ago, mm-hmm. and I can't remember who it was. I don't think, it wasn't you. It wasn't me? No. Um, and it was about something with branding or whatever, but I was always uh, pretty enamored with how great the space looked yeah. and how great the branding looked. So was that just something that naturally progressed? You guys had a good designer or was that something that was pretty um, often? I know with like with with I mean, you worked at 33 Acres, right? Yeah, 33 Acres is Josh, beautiful. you know, mm-hmm. and um, because that's that's who he is. That's right? right. Yeah. And so with and our Clea. industry. Yeah. And Clea. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so with our industry, it's most it's normally like that. Right? right. Steel Oak looks the way it does because my wife is an interior designer and she designed it that it's way. Beautiful. Right. Yes. Thank you. And yes, and. And uh, see, you heard that, Alyssa. That, so I'm going to be home tonight, yeah. but at least you got some credit, so you'll be okay. <laughs> um, but anyways, so the design of Land and Sea, was that... Was that? So that's Hannah. That's Jason's wife and okay. part owner. Um, she She's the creative director for, you know, that's just one word for the umbrella multitude of the weight of what that woman does. Like, she's, yeah, a force to be reckoned with. Like, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful space and they really worked together on um, and they included me like right from the get-go I was I was there to help um, break up the floors put in the walls like where everything was going and the flow of it like they they really included me thankfully from the ground up and um, Hannah just had a vision of what she wanted to wanted it to look like and went with that so um, yeah and then on on top of that I introduced her to my friend Laura, who is um, responsible. She's Caribou Creative, so she does all the design for uh, Land and Sea. So okay, she cool. designed our logo yeah. and helped with the color scheme. And like the three of us would sit and chat and kind of try to figure it out. So Hannah could say something like mid-century modern, and then Laura would able was able to like translate it. And yeah, then, you know, bounce that's amazing. Back and forth. Yeah. yeah. Well, it turned out it looks it looks great. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And um, so the concept uh, for people listening that might not know Land and Sea, right. uh, it's a tasting room model, right? That's so what's right. the setup look like there? So brewery wise, basically it's uh, thirty-two hundred square feet. You walk in, it's all open. Um, I, th- I think the ceilings are almost twenty feet high. Uh, we have two big garage doors, um, seventy-two seat capacity. Uh, then there's two bars. Um, which are both will be operational right now we only have the one um with 12 taps i usually have about eight beers on tap and then we'll have like um you know different ciders or kombucha or other things available as well um and then behind the bar is a three and a half foot pony wall and then there's my 450 square foot brew house and i'm right there for everyone to bother so it's funny you bring that because i've we've got this um we're opening this brewery in Victoria called Herald Street. Yeah, I can't wait. And well, yeah, and I can't, you know, pre-COVID times, I couldn't wait. But right now, it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, as I'm sure you very well know, I yeah. see, it's, it's you know, you, you're creating a space that's taste room focused. And now you're like, shit, now what do we do? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it'll get open. Um, but it's that I always, I, I kind of chuckle to myself because... Uh, it's very hard to find a brewer mm-hmm. that is okay with a three-foot pony wall where every single Honestly. beer nerd can talk to you. Honestly, yeah, I was this close to not taking the job because of it. Yeah. I they had to tell me it last, and they had to talk kind of talk me into it because people inherently think that I'm really friendly, and I'm actually not that friendly, especially when I'm working. You're pretty, fr- <laughs> pretty friendly. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I've 
I have this thing though now my regulars are getting pretty used to and thankfully the staff we're getting used to. Yeah. I call it my resting brew face. Right. Oh, well, that's nice. So when that's on, you know, they leave you alone. They leave me alone. Yeah. You get good at like ignoring people. For I sure. Guess, right. You just, yeah. For safety, you have to. Also. Yeah. When I, I mean, I sit. Mike and Lee are partners at, at yeah. Herald Street. I mean, they were really hell bent on making sure that it was an interactive experience. Right. Which makes sense because they've never done this before, and yeah. so, and um, and you know, brewers tend to be introverted. Actually, yeah. quite a few. Right. And yeah. And, um, we're and weirdos. S- well, yeah, yeah, you guys are for sure. I can say that because I don't make beer myself. Yeah. And, um, well, I used to, but it was terrible. That's why we got a, a proper brewer when mm. we started this place. Um, but JB, our brewer at Herald Street, yeah. um, he seems keen to chat. And I good. think he's probably got a pretty good resting brew face as well, which good. is great. And I'm going to use that. You know, I was also thinking that uh, a light switch would be a really good idea. Like something where when it's green, the yeah. light's on, like feel free to interrupt me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Something really visual, visual, excuse me, and, and to make it really easy. Yeah. I also have said that I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, shh, don't talk to me. That's a good idea too. I will say there's something awesome about being able to see it though, right? Yeah. And like a Wander, which is one of my favorite breweries in, in Bellingham, yeah. which is one of my favorite breweries in Washington State. Actually, Chad, if you're listening, you're one of my favorite breweries in the world. Um, but, uh, and he just had a baby. I was texting with him this morning. He's supposed to come up here to do Beer Life, and, nice. and, uh, but he obviously now won't be able to. And, and, right. But anyways, Wander is open like that, right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's awesome. It's in this old warehouse. It's got a big, um, oh, God. It's like a, not a crane. It's like a, it's a hoist, basically. It's yeah. an old boat shop. And oh, probably uh, a gantry or something. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll find out very fast that I have no mechanical ability. I'm not good with tools. I don't camp. Uh, I am. I, I've. N- I, you could just tell me anything. I'd be like, that sounds about right. You're right. Yeah, that's what I was I, trying I to say. Did. Yeah, delivery I know. is everything. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but I trust that you know what you're talking about. And um, but anyways, it's open. Yeah. And uh, Lou, who's their their lead brewer, uh, the guy on the floor just i could he just hates it right it's just like trying to tell people not to talk to you and and um but yeah so i mean you got to get used to it but it is neat to be able to it is from a a customer's yeah yeah. even as a brewer going to wander or to other places it's fun right like it's nice to see it's it's, well you get to see what they're working with right exactly and um and also too like it's I think it's nice for the customer to see how clean a brewery actually can be right and um and when it's out there for everybody to see, there's definitely probably extra attention oh, spent yeah. on that. Yeah. Do you have nice floors in there? Did you guys spend the money on floors or did you? Nah, that's a touchy subject. I wanted to, but we don't, ultimately I lost that battle. You know, you got to pick and choose. Do they slope? It's not my money. They do slope. Okay, I made good. sure of that. Yeah. But we don't own the building. So, yeah. you yeah, know. Well, you've seen the floors in here. Like yeah. they're. You got to replace them anyways, right? Yeah. So in five years from now, if we own the brewery then that'll be or excuse me the building then that'll yeah that could change but you have to redo them anyways every yeah. five ten years so yeah. it's something that can happen in the future but yeah i i decided to spend the money elsewhere okay well before we go into what's happening now with land and sea yeah. uh we'll take a quick beer break and sure. i will hit save i always like talking about stuff coming out of the break and talking about how um like Tessa's been around for a while, but I hadn't really heard of her up until maybe about a year ago and kind of how that happens. And, uh, and she was mentioning that she only knows the old guys in the industry. Yeah. And so who's old? No, I'm just joking. And, (laughs) um, no, they don't know how to download a podcast. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Uh, Ian Hill might, Ian, Uh, I hope you do. Yeah. I actually don't know Ian personally. Oh really? I've, I've of course met him through, the others but you know he's a um, wonderful human being oh i bet he is is. i've heard wonderful things but um but yeah that you've been around in the Mm -hmm. industry for a long ass time and it's a small industry and yet somehow you've been able to you know not sneak under the radar but uh, we were talking on the break it's just this difference between the lower mainland or metro vancouver and everywhere else and how you know it's hard to look out of our own backyard sometimes what else is going on out there right one of the comments i get on this podcast actually is that the the people are like can you please get guests that aren't from the lower mainland okay right which makes a ton of sense and um the reason i generally 
don't Mm -hmm. is because I actually don't like the way the podcast sounds when I'm doing an interview over the phone. That's fair. It's hard. Like you can't see somebody's face. You can't see. And it's not. The conversation isn't the same. It's not. It doesn't sound as good. Yeah. Right. And so that's the only reason why. Yeah, that's fair. And, but it's also why I like this. I'm going to start trying to do this beer life live thing on Instagram. I saw that with Jake. That was great. Which is awesome because you can see the somebody's face and it's fun. It's interactive. I need to swear less. Um, but uh, but other than that, like yeah. I, I like it. It's a good way to communicate and connect with people. Yeah. Well, you know, at least being able to kind of have a, I don't know, make it feel like you're actually having a beer together, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially in these times. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, let's talk about these times. Mm-hmm. So Land and Sea hasn't been around for that long. No, a year and five months. So you guys are probably just getting your feet under you. Yep. You're probably just starting to roll. You're like, great, we're gonna have a good summer now that we've got a, a year experience. Yep. Um, year and a half experience and then this whole thing hits and you're a tasting room only model mm-hmm. uh, what happens what do you do yeah well we hit the ground running basically we had a crowler machine uh, for those you know just under a liter cans um, that we would do for takeaway uh, it's kind of like a uh, I would say it's almost like it's like a growler you know what I mean like it's not meant to be a canned product on a shelf it's kind of a bit of a novelty it's fun it's a different format it's a new format and you know everything that was brewed in my brew house was meant to be drank in-house and if you're taking it away in a growler or a crowler well it's not going to be as good but you know it'll last a little bit longer let's say okay um and then COVID hits and we kind of just switched gears really quickly and got into 473 mil cans because the crawlers had sold out. Right. Yeah. Um, so we got an all American can seamer. It's really awesome. Um, it's a cool piece of equipment. I really enjoy it. Uh, that being said, we're filling cans one by one. Um, yeah. purging them with a Blickman beer gun. <laughs> Just basically losing money one can at a time. Yeah. yeah. So it's not sustainable. It's super laborious. And uh, yeah, we're just we're just there for off sales and growler fills at the moment. And we're just kind of kind of take it safe and slow and yeah. see how other people are rolling out and how our community feels, um, see how our staff responds and who wants to come back. You know, yeah. we've kind of been given this interesting opportunity to like have a blank slate at the beginning of a new business, which was, you know, when you're your first year open, everything's yeah. super overwhelming. There's a, a lot to do and a, a lot of room for improvement. You're learning and growing. So we're kind of just reevaluating. And um, we had a meeting about it yesterday. And I think what we're trying to do is take this next step as um a stepping stone as a transition piece. So when we roll our doors open at half capacity and with not the same amount of staff, we're going to use it to the best of our ability to kind of anchor in how we're going to grow the business right. further. Yeah. Right. So um, hopefully getting labor costs down, maybe going into 473 mil format, getting um, vessel packaging in or something else. So Tess smiled at me because <laughs> I mentioned that uh, Vessel is going to sponsor uh, Beer Life podcast. Uh, and in case that check comes in early, uh, Beer Life brought to you by Vessel Packaging. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah, so you'll have, uh, you'll have Vessel come in. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and maybe, you know, like we're a tasting room model only as, as how we started. I have serving tanks, four of them, you know, I have uh, kegs I serve off of so we, we'll have to make it so that the room doesn't sell out of beer which yeah. will require a different format in my brew house and yeah. different beers and what I've always done in my brew house I, I'm, I've reached 98 brews it slowed down because of COVID obviously yeah. but 42 of those were different styles Right. Awesome. so I was constantly doing something different yeah. um, I've been brewing for a little while now and for me this was like a good way for me to like hone my skills my craft and keep it interesting right i'm really into like foraging and 
hiking. I had take my little dirt bike and take it across the road up the logging road and like pick spruce tips or elderflowers so or whatever. I had this written down because yeah. I read about you liking to forge. When you're foraging, are you yeah. freestyling it or are you reading up on shit that you can and can't get beforehand? So remember how I lived up north? Yeah. And I had nothing else to really do. You really good at it? <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So like really good whatever. I don't know about that, but it's just more therapeutic for me, right? Yeah. Like it's just a good way for me to like get out in the woods when there was nobody else around and the dirt bike's really fun yeah you know so I just kind of got into it that way and it's a really neat way to see where you live and like what plants grow and and you know um then next thing I know I'm like tasting them I'm fermenting them and they end up in beer yeah cool kind of one of those things but with the tasting room only model you're able to kind of circulate those beers through and and see what sticks yeah now that we have dedicated labels for two right. of our canned products. We, I don't really have the same flexibility, but um, I'm adaptable and I'll figure it out, you know, like we'll yeah. work and, through it. And Well, and I think a lot of people are, I think this has afforded a lot of breweries to look internally at what they're doing and, right. and what's not working because mm-hmm. rarely do you have an opportunity to just kind of hard stop right. and be like, oh, and then also, I mean, like you said, with, and I, I always kind of like, you're right with labor costs and you're like okay well where are we we love all these people that work for us how Mm -hmm. can we better allocate their time Mm -hmm. um what's not working and what Mm -hmm. what we what how should we you know where should we move them to what where what does work long term and i think a lot of breweries are going to come out of this we were already kind of going into a bit of a Mm -hmm. i don't want to say a dark time but we were already going into a bit of it's different yeah especially Mm -hmm. for us that do a lot of wholesale business it's like you're starting you know I mean, before COVID hit, I think three or four breweries had already gone under mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. In, in 2020. Um, like, it's 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 coming one way or another, we right? We lost one in the Valley, even. Forbidden. Did Forbidden. You know them? Yeah. No. Yeah, so we actually have five breweries in the Comox Valley. I'd never heard of Forbidden before. Yeah, That's so, awful. So we're north of Nanaimo, yeah. for anybody wondering. Um, the Comox Valley is Courtney, Comox, Cumberland, and then a couple little... Uh, towns like kind of farming communities in in and around the area um so we have cumberland brewing we have gladstone brewing we had forbidden yeah um who closed their doors uh in 2019 okay and then we have land and sea new tradition and ace brewing okay so we're down to five now but that's a lot for like a population of under fifty thousand. especially i'm assuming a lot of those are tasting room focused that's right so you only have so many people to pull from right like you talk to the guys on brewers row and like you go down there on a sunny saturday yeah and you're like oh man this is the dream but if you go down there on the rainy tuesday and they're all trying to split the same 10 customers it's not right right? and so i think people forget that and and the hard part is is when you're like when jason and hannah were including me and like making this space it was about bringing the community giving the community something and bringing the community in and so you're nurturing that that lounge and now with with covid you're we're not able to nurture that so like what does that like feel like you know what does that make it look like what does it turn into when before you wanted people to stay and not talk about the beer they're talking over the beer because they're having a really good time with their friends and they're they're eating the food and we had a full kitchen like you know we were this this place now it's different now it's it's got to be something that's safe and still interesting and um friendly and comfortable but also you have to leave yeah (laughs) you can't stay too long like well and i wonder how you do that right and i know like like you said you guys are taking your time and at steel nook we're taking Mm -hmm. our time too and i'm not opening you know probably for a few weeks at least at least and um and because like when we open it's not gonna feel like i and i never expected to feel the same but is it gonna feel bad yeah is it gonna feel right and so i kind of want to see what other people i want to see what customers that are willing to go out and drink beer now yeah what they want and what are they okay with what are they looking for what are they yeah Yeah. and and i don't want to you know necessarily be first out of the gate on that because i'd rather just do some research and kind of and also to just personally i'm just like i don't think i'm there yet yeah, that's you know? understandable. Right? Yeah. And um, you have such a close knit team, and I think yeah. a lot of people in our industry are feeling that. Yeah, know? so it's just like, well, you know, and I think it's it's easier for, I mean, kudos to you guys for only being open for a year and a half and still making that call. I think it's easier for some of us that have been around for a longer period of time 
that have wholesale networks that are right. able to at least sustain, right? right? Whereas I, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about how like, you know, how many bad decisions come out of desperation, right? Totally, yeah. And, but I mean, yeah. if you're, if you're running a, a restaurant that's yeah. a year old, yeah. I mean, it's definitely desperation. Absolutely. You need to. And yeah. that's not to say that those restaurants aren't opening properly or right. it's not safe. It's just that, you know, it's, there's so much unknown right now. And I know for us, um, we're just, you know, I think a lot of people maybe that are in the beer industry are still fortunate enough to have that secondary sales channel Mm -hmm. that they're like, okay, well, let's take a step back. Mm -hmm. Let's look at this. Let's make sure we're doing Mm -hmm. it properly. And, um, so it's, it's cool to see that you guys are too. And I, I see that you're also trying to figure out how to move people outside into a patio. I saw on Instagram that you're, um, you're trying to, garner some support in your local community for that that's right and um right now our biggest uh contender is mcdonald's their kitty corner almost across the street and really they're yeah they're actually you know and i don't feel bad talking about this because it's mcdonald's yeah um (laughs) you know but they said that our small business is uh hindering them oh fuck that right so i'm trying to swear less on this thing but that's fucking bullshit that (laughs) that's bullshit so and in their little plaza there are two small like mom and pop shops but it's fresh slice mcdonald's and tim hortons and they're the they're the strata that is complaining about us the most uh, that could actually pull weight against us not getting a patio. And that's an extra 38 seats in our place, right? So that is, yeah. we, we need that. We have the space, but in order to make it feel as comfortable and welcoming as it did before, like, we, we need the patio. Like So people that are listening right now, how do they help? Um, unfortunately... Hopefully people in Comox are listening because they're the only ones that will really carry right. weight if they yeah. write in. Um, and it's all going to come down to, to um, the local to, community. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Even myself, I live in Union Bay, so I, I can't actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Right. It's, okay. It doesn't matter. Like I can write in and yeah. they'll see it. So if you want to write in, please, uh, you know, please email the town of Comox um, yeah but unfortunately the most weight is carried by uh, the people surrounding us wow so hopefully it goes through we should know I think June 3rd okay. um, is when they have the meeting so and then from there uh, I think things are kind of being sped up with the government right now in terms of patio I th- endorsements and I, I think so I know mm-hmm. I mean the, we're yeah we're recording this on May 21st and right. I am going to put it to air on May 22nd if if, unless something drastic happens. Um, but my understanding is that, that, well, municipalities are obviously putting a priority on it. Right. And that the provincial government, I think, soon right. will uh, make an announcement on how they're going to help speed mm-hmm. it through. Because right now, through the LCRB, mm-hmm. if you apply for it, it's like it's like a nine-month wait. I know. So that's not going to help anybody. And I know that everybody understands that, and they're going to probably just have some sort of fast track, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. Um, but I think you're not the first person, even in the short couple of weeks, we've known that we're going to get patios. But to say that where they're getting pushback from their community, yeah. um, which is, which, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want like outdoor space to affect other neighboring businesses. No. But at the same point in time, like, you know, when you're a small business, you're what the community is built upon. Right. Yeah. And so I think you'd be hard to find residents that wouldn't support it. Mm-hmm. Um and God, does it feel bad when it's a company like McDonald's that right? gets to say that? That's the hard part. You no, know it bugs me. McDonald's doesn't have a vegetarian option. I know. What's How up with that? And, and, you know, A&W is doing the whole, like, paper straw thing and doing yeah. their part for the environment. And, yeah, McDonald's just gets to do whatever the hell they want and oh, then complain about me. it. I know. It's outrageous, actually. Um, anyway. So one of the things I did, because we're, we're getting, we are going, we're, we're actually doing really well. We're, we're people are still listening but we're an hour in which oh, is great good. but one thing i want to talk to want to talk about because i don't um you know i think we talk about COVID all the time on this and yeah. and now we're kind of coming out of it and it's great that people are opening again and go and support your local brewery or local business and mm-hmm. help them um but let's shift oh the compressor did go oh, off it did. okay so for those of you listening uh we normally record this in the taste room but because it's during tasting room hours we're actually recording it in our ghetto offices on the mezzanine above the tasting room, <laughs> which is open to the brewery below. And we are brewing today, and I thought maybe the compressor might go off once. And that compressor is a bone of contention. Yeah. Because we all work up here. Oh, yeah. And then 
when we're canning and it's going off nonstop, All the time. you cannot hear shit. That's um, I can see on my audio program how loud it is. How loud it is. And is it bad? It's fairly bad, but wait till I compress it and make it even louder for everybody at home. Oh yeah. Ah, let's just go with it. They'll figure it out. It's part of the. Hey, you know what? It's part of the experience. You wanted a real podcast in the brewery. <laughs> oh, good oh, stuff. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about um, this week. Mm. Eric, our head brewer, and I were supposed to be in the UK. That's right. Because of you. So I want to talk about uh, how, not how that came about for us, but how it came about for you Hmm. um, and that whole experience because you were over in the UK brewing. Um, How did that start? Oh, this is funny. So we're talking about the old guys in the industry, right? Um, Well, I got a phone call and I looked down on my phone and you know, sometimes you don't have people in your contact list, but they like can pay to have their name show up or whatever. Well, I look down at my phone and I see Gary Lowen. And I look at it and I'm like, Gary Lowen. Now, I just want to say, Gary, you're not that old. No, you're not old. Yeah. Okay, okay sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Older than me, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. But I look at it and I'm like, holy shit, like Gary Lowen. I've been drinking this guy's beer since, yeah. you know, before I started brewing beer. So I, I looked at it and I was like, why is Gary calling me? I was like, first I thought, am I in, what did I do? Am I in trouble? And I was like, second of all, I was like, how does he... I didn't even know he knew who I was, let alone had my number. Yeah. And then third of all, I was like, did somebody die? Right. Right. Then I missed the call. Oh, shit. <laughs> so I was looking at it for too long, little starstruck, and missed the call entirely. Eventually got a hold of him, and um, long story shorter, he has been lucky enough to brew for um, J.D. Weatherspoon, which is a U.K. pub chain. Um yeah, they have over 900 pubs in the UK, and every year for the past 10 or so years, they've hosted these um, international brewing collaboration. Um, I guess like a, it's kind of like a festival essentially. They they do this real cask ale festival, and they invite five brewers from all around the world. Yeah, um, from res- different countries, and Gary's done it a couple times. So this year they wanted uh, a female brewer and they had asked Gary because he had been there a couple times if he knew anyone. And he said, no, actually, I don't. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, um, like, we don't have that long to talk about this. <laughs> he, he ended up um, asking his uh, head brewer, Zach. Yeah. You know, um, if he knew anyone and he asked Lundy Dale, who's like, you know, big in the Pink Pints community. um, No, I've, geez, Lundy Dale's been hosting women in beer events. Like, I remember it was me and four other brewers when I first started brewing that were female here in the province. She's a legend. And she she won, what was it? The The Legend Award. The Legend Award at the BC Beer Awards. Yeah, Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, she's amazing. So great. She's a very good hugger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think he might have asked someone else. And anyways, all these people had said my name, which is just... That's really cool. Like, so amazing for me, because then I got this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go brew one of my recipes over in England at a, at a host brewery. Cool. Yeah. So what did you brew? So they chose... I gave them a list of uh, one of the 46 different beers I've brewed in the <laughs> year and five months I've been open. And they chose my estuary session ale. Okay. Yeah. Now, I did some research online. Yeah. And because I think it's a unique story because it has spruce tips in it, correct? It does, yeah. And so can you touch on the challenges of doing a spruce tip beer in the UK? Yeah, sure. So what happened for me was, um, you know, I got invited. I was really excited. Then they picked the estuary session ale. I was like, oh, great. You know, I'm going to go over there and brew like 20 hex of beer going to go in a pub and in a cask and it's going to be awesome um then they told me that we're going to brew 408 hex which actually turned into 280 barrels which is 445 hectoliters Holy shit. yeah so 44,500 liters of beer wow that's in three days yeah that's like as much as i brewed in a year yeah wow <laughs> you know Anyway, so when they told me that volume i was like well shit usually i forage my spruce tips and you know, bring them back to my brew house and it's just me and yeah. it's a couple kilos. I said, I can't bring a whole fucking tree to England yeah. with me yeah. from Canada. What am I going to do? Uh, so I ended up 
contacting a couple different hop farmers and foragers and um, ended up working with a hop farm in the lower mainland called, uh, I want to say it right, Brendan Hop Hop Farms, I believe. Um, And they were already kind of pelletizing uh, lavender and I think I I think spruce like boughs and, and, and stuff with hops and kind of using those as like test batches or whatever. Um, but they weren't really working out to what they weren't, they didn't emulate what I did in the brew house with fresh tips. So I worked with them for a couple months or so, uh, trying to figure out a ratio of like tips to the hops that I was using in the whirlpool, um, and in the dry hop and they pelletized them for me and the host brewery. And we, we sent over 80 kilos that's amazing to be uh, dry hopped in these open top fermenters and thrown into the hop back of this cool. 170 year old brewery that's amazing i saw i remember you were posting photos on your instagram account yeah. it was pretty incredible yeah, yeah that's really neat what an experience oh yeah. such an ex- once in a lifetime opportunity so yeah. thank you zach thank you gary lowen thank you lendy dale and anybody else who said my name all really wonderful great. human beings. Wonderful yeah. people. I see, yeah. get to see Zach quite a bit because oh, yeah, he's in New West. Yeah. Uh, unless he's moved since then, so he okay. comes by the brewery quite well, a bit. That's cool. and yeah, yeah, good, good people, yeah. and that's amazing. And then, so I, I need to ask because I can't even. So, how did we end up getting the invite at Steel and Oak? Yeah, so you know, you just ran out of people on your list, and you <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, these guys—they're all right. No, no, um, no. So. You know, I was asked to go, and then the company who, like, the, like Weatherspoons, who, who hired me, essentially, um, they asked me to vet uh, another brewery, and they wanted somebody who uh, I thought was a good representation of great craft beer in the West Coast right now. Somebody, like, they wanted um, a head brewer. They wanted, you know, people who basically would fit with the 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 festival idea and that you know would enjoy it and of course that list is very long like i have very we all have lots of friends in this yeah, industry and it was yeah. not an easy choice by any means but uh you guys really came to mind because you brew quality and not to say that other people don't be careful here but you you brew quality beer and i feel like eric is such a quality human being himself that um, everything he brings to the table, um, I don't know, would just be really, and I had only met him once to be honest, but from what he brews, I figured it was a perfect example of what BC craft beer is today and that the people of England would like that. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, that's funny. rich. You get what you pay for. That's rich coming from me because I'd yeah. never been there before. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I, you know, but, and un- yeah. And obviously, unfortunately, we, we haven't gotten, we're supposed to be I there know, right now. I this know, As we're talking, we, we, we're supposed to be there and, uh, and Air Transat would only give me a credit. So I'm sure we'll go at some point in time. I hope you do. Yeah. Me too. When this is all said and done, because it know, would be a cool experience and for it's, sure. And it's like a, it's a cask festival too, yeah. right? So like you got to have beer that's going to translate into that. Right. Yeah. And for me it's I'm a beer drinker and I like lagers I work really hard my job is very laborious and I it's mentally stimulating as well and at the end of the day I want to have a few beers yeah you know and right now the trends are different than that and I don't think they necessarily the west coast you know in the pnw i don't think those trends are really translatable to what cask beer is in england no, right for now sure. not to say that the trends of other breweries but yeah. for a cask beer festival like you yeah. need to have something that's going to be clean crisp and crushable and maybe low abv and yeah you know and I, you guys do that and you do that so well and you always have so thank you appreciate I that i thought hell that'd yeah. be great yes yeah. yeah well Maybe in 2022. Oh, you we'll think it'll see. take that long? Nah, I oh, think, shit. well, I mean, I think it'll be 2020. I mean, it'll be 2021. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think in my mind, I'm always, I'm planning for spring of 2021. Yeah. That's in the back of my mind. Yeah. I'm like, okay, just focus on making it through till then. Yeah. And if we can just make That's... it through till then, I think we'll be okay. And I yeah. listened to this podcast the other day, which is funny. I said that a couple times, but I don't actually listen to podcasts, but mm-hmm. I did have listened to a couple recently um, and uh, about like how how about the roaring 20s right and the roaring 20s were because of 
the, the war and right. because of the pandemic in 1918 through 1919 right. and that you know people it was over and they're like let's go yeah. now it's time right yeah. and and um and sure the you know it took time for the economy to bounce back and it will yeah. for us too but i think you know like you said about taking a step back and looking at what you actually want to be going forward and That's having a right. blank slate you know we will double down on on our community mm-hmm. even though our community can't gather right now Right. Right. But but long term, I think that's what they're going to need. Yeah. And I think that's what we want. And yeah. so. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I think 20, I don't know, 2021. But what do I know? Yeah. Right. What do I know? I'm just a guy with a radio degree that has a podcast. <laughs> so um, well, I hope you guys get to go. I do. Yeah. It was an incredible experience. Well, we're going regardless yeah. whether we brew beer or not. Well, we have those air transact. We have the air transact credit. <laughs> yeah, so we got it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we end it. Uh, today, what would you say is, uh, I guess, the thing you love the most about the industry? And if somebody was listening, not that they're opening a brewery during COVID times, yeah. or if you already are, I'm sorry. Oh, wait, I already am. Yeah, I'm you sorry. Are. Shit. Um, what would be your advice? So, something you love, and, and what advice would you give to somebody that uh, you've opened enough of these now that yeah. do the floors? <laughs> do the floors yeah, yeah frick no Sorry. kidding not to no, put words I, in your mouth what would you no well what i love is i i know and i've heard people say it's already cliche but it is the community and it's the fact that we're brewing beer you know we're we're taking i love personally in my job that i'm taking raw materials and transforming them into something different and that it can be so many things it can be um you know a lagered cream ale that i take way too long to produce because I want to push that ale yeast into a lager territory or you can ferment pine cones and take the yeast and turn it into beer as well right yeah. like there's beer can be so many things it can be talked over it can be talked about yeah. and then you get to share that with a bunch of people who uh, you know in our industry either love to talk about it or at least love to drink it yeah you know? or at least listen to somebody that knows what they're talking about right. talk about it yeah yeah so I, I i really love that and as far as advice um yeah i i would say i have a couple things one have more money than you think you need yeah and um really find people that you you connect with and and know what they're doing and are, are are willing to adapt and overcome challenges like this. You know, like I'm so thankful that I work with such a great team and I've had such good experiences with the breweries I've, I've been with because of the people. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's first and foremost, like if, if you want to be craft and you want to be a small brewery, like that's, you got to have the right people, you know, um, within that and brew unto others as you would have them brew unto you, you know? That's good. Yeah. I'm not even going to say anything because that's a perfect way to end it. <laughs> uh, I want to thank my guest today, Tessa Gabinowitz. Yeah. Oh, I did it. Did you I nail did. it again? So good. I stalled that time. No, that was so good. Jordan. Okay. Thank from you. Land and Sea Brewing. Thank Aww. you for coming over Thanks and for chatting. Me. Thank you. And uh, this has been Beer Life with Jordan Foss. Cheers.